0: Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are joined this evening, as I can't remember if we mentioned or if we just teased the fact that we were going to be joined this evening, uh, by star of the Moss Isley Happy Hour, Wes. Hey you doing, Wes? Ah, hello. And as yet
1: unexplained. And as yet unexplained, unexplained, of course.
2: I think, yeah. That, oh. Didn't get to explain anything,
3: though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason you're here is because obviously there's a lot of real sort of like occult lore in this and it's based on uh, real folk legends and everything. So we (laughs) thought we'd better get you in to get that full understanding. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yes. So as promised, we are here to discover, to to discuss, should I say, um, the slightly unusual uh, bloodbath at the house of death, but... Before we get into any of that kind of nonsense, um, we are going to discuss a usual, what we've been watching. So, Chris, we'll start with you. What have you been watching, horror-wise?
1: So I've been continuing the adventure of Castlevania. Mm. So the second season is, is, uh, so far, I think I'm halfway through it, and it has been... It's it's slower than the first one, but it's a lot of character development and really makes the story far deeper and far more interesting than I'd expected it to be when we saw season one. Um, So yeah, it's it's great fun. Still really enjoying that. Um, And and not it's I suppose it's probably I haven't seen that many different Dracula adaptations. It's it's absolutely still one of the best computer game adaptations, but. as far as Dracula goes, it seems like an unusual twist as far as I can tell on what I've always thought of Dracula. So I suppose that's that was perhaps their plan. Um, it's also not entirely clear who you're following as in you know who you're siding with. Hmm. They're all hmm. bad and good, which that I don't know that does seem to be sort of a modern thing. I don't know I seem to be seeing that in a lot of films where it's less clear exactly who's good and who's bad. Yeah. There's sort of more dimensions to the characters. I mean, essentially, uh, it's more
3: realistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which it helps just, ground mm, something that's that fantastical as well, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so that's been really good. Um, and then we've also been watching Loki um, continuing the Marvel viewing. So that, that's been really fun. I don't know if any of you have seen waiting that.
2: until it's full.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then... Blast. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, I absolutely, um, I think it's Funnily enough, uh, uh, the, the episode I just saw started to make me think of Terry Pratchett, um, cause it's, it's gone quite silly, hmm. but you know, it's still got the sort of fantastical, uh, sci-fi, uh, sort of some science elements in that regard. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fun and yeah, just a bit odd.
0: Nice. Um, West, what have you been watching horror-wise recently that you'd like to discuss? This week
2: I watched uh, The House on Haunted Hill, the original one. Mm. Nice. Then uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. Good. But I bought The Reptile on Blu-ray and for some reason I watched a whole bunch of other things I've already seen a million times before, so... (laughs) That's
0: the way it goes, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> oh, the rest of so the way,
3: fantastic. Though. That's definitely one to cover. Mm-hmm. That, that, and, that and Plague of Zombies, because they're like basically made at the same time. It's all the same but,
2: set and costumes, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, same set, same costume, same locations, it's the works and most of the same cast.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of Zombies be, is amazing.
3: Yeah, they just don't get the love they deserve.
4: No, they no, don't get the
3: love they deserve, or not. and I'm convinced it's because of the lack of big hammer names. Hmm. You,
4: you, haven't,
3: you haven't got, you haven't got Mr. Lee, you haven't got the Cush, so people are like, oh well, you know, that's it's, it's okay. No, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it is. It really is. But, got it's I was Marelli.
2: watching that, the Peter Cush and Moth one. That I can never remember the title of.
3: Oh, the Blood Beast Terror.
2: Yeah, that reminded me that, oh, I haven't seen the reptile for a while, so that's why I got that. Peter Cushion is in the reptile, though, isn't
3: he? I'm just can't
2: thinking... I'm I don't think he
3: is. I'm not sure. I can't remember now, because I, I might, I might no, be getting... Not. Him, I, I'm getting him confused. I'm getting it confused with the ghoul. The Peter Cushion ghoul, where it's like Someone's locked away and he's come back from
2: yeah.
3: a faraway land and so on and so forth.
0: Uh, yeah, no, you're right. He isn't. No. I thought he had a lesser role in that, but he does not appear to. I thought
3: he was, for some reason in my head, he's Jacqueline Pierce's dad in it. And no, he's clearly not. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I clearly need to re-watch that as well. So I think I might actually, uh, yeah, do the same. Yeah, and possibly, yeah, with uh, Plague of Zombies and do it as a double feature at some point during the week. Yes. They do. There's a
2: very good thing on Amazon. You can get the one where um, they released a couple of years ago where you get the DVD, the Blu-ray and the bonus disc, all for about 12 quid. I think it is. That's quite good.
3: Yeah, they got pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's quite nice that we've now got to the point where you can clean up a bit on Hammer Blu-ray because they've actually they've actually realised, yeah, we've sold it to everyone who can afford the twenty quid, so for <laughs> one fucking film.
2: I also got the first Frankenstein Hammer film, and that comes with a free film, the four-sided triangle. Oh really? Yeah, as a bonus feature. So, but because it's on Blu-ray, it doesn't come with a collector's book that the DVD does. Come right, which oh. yeah, it depends how much you like reading, I suppose. Or <laughs> reading, or reading, yeah, It's all right. You know, it's a train went, journey, isn't it? So. I went
3: to that. I went to that reading festival that they are advertising. Right? <laughs> Couldn't hear myself think. There were fucking bands playing in the field next door. I oh, right,
2: consider it, isn't I
3: know. I'm trying <laughs> to read.
2: Fucking
3: did you write a letter? I, I did. Good. And um, heard nothing back. Apparently, people don't communicate like that anymore. <laughs> that's because that they don't read. That's
2: why. Yeah. Royal, Royal
3: Royal Mail just put all letters in a big burning furnace now because they're like, well, if you could, if you couldn't email them, fuck you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the Royal Mail's current um, current message as well. that's they slogan
0: slow,
3: <laughs> it translated into
0: Latin. Um, excellent. Uh, Adam, have you been watching anything horror-related?
3: Well, it's sort of... uh, Well, uh, basically last week, Claire and Ted got bronchitis. So I was... uh, So I was seeing seeing a lot of phlegm and things (laughs) like that. You know, I'm going to definitely put that in the basket with horror. Um, I will apologise as well. I think I've I've picked a much milder form up, but if my voice suddenly goes... um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I will uh, please bear with me while I have a coughing fit off mic, mm-hmm. so, you know. Um, Who's but... Mike? <laughs> he's, well, he's the bloke who comes around and does, you know. I've got a man oh, who right, does, well. you know. I don't, don't want to go into it further. I'm not on not on Broadcast. No. Fair enough. But, um, speaking of watching things you've watched a thousand fucking times, though, I've taken the plunge and started buying the fucking Doctor Who on Blu-ray classic Yay! series, so I've been watching loads of those. I know it's because they've come out in not they've come out slightly cheaper in not so fancy packaging <laughs> and it's like right if I, miss, if I miss the boat this time I'm going to be pissed off with myself and spend the whole time going well um, so I followed the message from Butthole Surfers and all but all of uh, it's better to regret something that you have done than something that you didn't do <laughs> um, yeah so I've been watching those but equally um, the Oh, oh, excuse me. The other night we watched a true, a, a true life horror of uh, The Room, which I introduced <laughs> Claire to The Tommy Wiseau's magnum opus. His opus Magnus Magnuson.
4: <laughs> Um
3: Which, you know, I mean, we can't count it as horror, but you do see a lot of his grotesque arse. <laughs> uh, Bobbling around in, in sheets. There is a spot on it. It's, you know... I I would argue that a man impersonating Arnold Schwarzenegger whilst looking like Willem Dafoe's been pulled inside out, I think is a, you know, that, that counts as horror for me. So there we go. And one that might, and this is something that's kind of adjacent, it's much more fantasy and something that I think might cause horror to everyone on the show possibly. Uh, when they find out it's my first time I've ever watched Highlander. Yeah, so there well, we go. Can be well, any you've beaten one. me
1: to it. <laughs> oh, you've really never so seen it, Chris? No. I
4: It's a really good film. Oh,
0: it, it's I thought it was a really good film, and then I re-watched it about a year ago, and it turned out it was absolute Todd. It was terrible! <laughs> <laughs> Like Once you see
2: past but... the, the uh, is holding him up When he's receiving the quickening yeah. And they carefully place lightning You know, it's uh, it's, it's quite good A towel, <laughs> I thought I, I've never thought of it before as receiving the quickening But now that <laughs> is the only one I shall refer to watch, it Don't watch Highlander 2 Because it's this called Highlander go- 2 The quickening It Actually, yeah. that's what it is, the quickening
3: yeah, by the way, that is literally anything that anyone has said to me.
2: Yeah.
3: When I was, because I think it was like, I'd watched it and then it was like, oh, there's a couple of podcasts that covered it. And I didn't listen to it because I hadn't seen the film at that point. So I went back and listened to it. And all of those basically all start with, yeah, it's not Highlander 2. Don't watch that. It's shit. <laughs> so I'm yeah. way, I'm way it's stamping oil away from that. But yeah, it was just. I think I might be lucky in that I didn't watch it the first time round. So I think I was actually, oh, no, this is good. So I did, I enjoyed it. I could, but also rather than shit, the first time I watched this, I didn't realise the flaws. I was watching it this time going, the flaws are some of the best bits in this. <laughs> and obviously Mr. Krabs is the main villain. So that's, yeah. you know, yes. The Corgan. Um, yeah. And that was... Uh, uh, and obviously, yeah, fucking the one Scotsman in it is playing a fucking Egyptian by way of spite. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, precisely. <laughs> He's playing a terrible Scotsman.
3: <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I, I also did find, I found this out about it though, is apparently Christopher Lambert is allergic, like, has an allergy thing, so he can't wear contact lenses. Without his glasses, he is fucking blind. So <laughs> yeah. all those still fights suddenly became a lot more impressive, or certainly the bravery of the people competing with him, because <laughs> yeah, you've just got some mad French bastard acting at you, he can't see f- <laughs> fuck all in front of his face. So, yeah. <laughs> but overall, I think, uh, and I also respect any film that has that many ideas. Yeah, it's the yeah. It's the phantasm thing, again, where it's like, not all of this hits, but well done on not just... Literally the opposite of the room, <laughs> where Claire was waiting for a plot, <laughs> and I said, no, you know the plot. It's just waiting for that now. And, you know, football games in a, like, hula-hoop-sized area of the ground. So... <laughs>
4: um,
3: and, yeah, so, song? unfortunately, unfortunately...
0: It's a bit like Sorry? this evening's movie did very much the same, uh, not wishing to spoil it, but yeah, a slasher and a satanic cult movie, and it turns out they're all aliens anyway. Spoiler alert. So, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a very Yeah, it's nice to see it's nice to have too many ideas, I yeah. think. <laughs> um yeah,
2: throwing up
0: um, shit at the wall, some of it's bound to stick, eh? Hey? Exactly. 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 Um, so I caught up with, uh, the new Netflix movie fear street part one. Um, mm. Oh yeah. Which I, I really enjoyed. I had a really good time watching it. I mean, it's again, it's that thing that Netflix do of it's nothing entirely new. Um, but they just give it so much heart that it's yeah. A really endearing, really good fun. I had a fantastic, and I thought, I, I didn't read anything about it, I thought it was going to be one a month or one every couple of months or whatever, uh, yeah, and I watched it last Saturday, and then yesterday uh, the second part came out, so it looks like they're going to release them over three weeks, which is, uh, yeah, it's good, so you've got to film each week, so look forward to. I've, no, I've literally I saw that there's a pop-up video
3: store in London to advertise it. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I think Daryl's working there.
0: Yes, yes, friend of the show, Daryl. I knew he was working at a VHS store. I didn't know it was a pop up one to do with uh, Fear Street. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I
3: think it's I think it's to do with Fear Street. So yeah, um, but other than that, I know literally nothing.
0: It, so, so it's a um, it's a kind of supernatural slasher movie uh, set in the. Uh, set now, I believe. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. It's called ninety-four. So it happened in ninety-four. Um you will love it, Adam. The soundtrack is fantastic. It's every song oh, you remember from the early nineties. Um okay. It's all that kind of, you know, like garbage and Portishead Head and all those bands. Um it's trip hop, isn't it? That's that's yeah. Like sounds of it, yeah. And it it's it, yeah. I, it, I I will I
3: I I definitely will enjoy it because where my throat went I was just listening. I'm doing my usual thing, which is I'm just going to listen to Tricky because he's the only person I can sing along with at the moment. So. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so and it's got a really good IMDb, which is why I wanted to catch it. You know, the first couple of days after it came out, but it's one of those. Don't. Uh, there's a lot of hype. Try not to read anything or know anything going in this. So for the second part, okay. I'm not even going to watch the trailer. I'm just going in cold. Um, but yeah, just know it's really good fun, and yeah, you'll enjoy it. Um oh. And that's all I've watched really, except I did catch up with the newly released trailer for Last Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright horror movie. Oh, mm. yes. Um Yeah, it looks interesting. It looks interesting, but I was listening to an interview with him and he basically said what he's trying to do is make an Italian giallo movie set in Soho in the 60s. So, yeah. Not exactly my favorite of any of those genres, but it's said, Wright. if anyone can make that stuff work, I think he's probably going to be the man to do it. So, uh, and
3: also, I, pre- I presume, I presume he's not got Kevin Spacey in this movie. No, no, decided to again. No.
0: <laughs> um, couldn't, inf- couldn't afford the insurance. <laughs> Speaking of which, on to tonight's main film. Um, so yeah, 1984's. Uh, Kenny Everett starring Bloodbath at the House of Death um, I knew obviously we would be getting very much into British comedy TV from the 70s and 80s which is why we have Wes with us here because um, I know that obviously he and Adam are are really into that stuff so I thought it would be good to, to bring you in and get your thoughts and again it's just your sense of humour this one Wes so uh, um. oh yeah totally agree you yeah. <laughs> know Chris, what did you
1: make of Bloodbath at the House of Death? You you know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> I, it's what what a, a very entertaining film. Um, I, I clearly need to watch a bit more Kenny Everett because I, I I remember the name when you mentioned him and I I probably saw like maybe adverts or, or you know something like that. I don't <coughs> remember seeing actually anything full full length with him in. Um, <laughs> So I don't know whether I was a bit too young, or I guess he was a bit adult most of his stuff, was it? Yeah, yes, it's certainly based on this, seems like
0: <laughs> going pretty, too far. Right. Oh,
1: uh, okay, it. <laughs> so he, was a, he was a bit controversial at the time, but, yeah. So, and, and then of course, and Vincent Price as well, which you know, you probably mentioned it, and I saw his name come up in the credits, I think. But like, he's, his role in this, I was thinking, oh, how's that gonna work? He because like, I figured this was maybe a bit too much of a comedy, but it's amazing how he fits into it, you yeah. know, perfectly. He just, and I think, because he still can play, it, it's almost like he's playing both a serious and a ridiculous character at once and doing them both fantastically. Mm. And, he, you know, he's, he's like, his speech is fairly long sort of monologues with uh, quite impressive vocabulary, and it just works in both ways. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, so it's He's great. And I guess he's a bit older in this as well, isn't he? Than, yeah. I think, the other films, all the other films we've seen him in.
3: Yeah, when, when did he, was it 87 he died? So it's oh, right, very, okay. very late in his career. Yeah. It, was around yeah. the time, um, it was around the time he made Edward Scissorhands, wasn't it? I
2: thought that was a 90s film, an early 90s film. Sort of 89, 90. For
0: some Ed- reason, Edward is about 87, but I might be wrong. I think it was, it it was days his days last. Days? It was his last film because he. Cause that was the point, wasn't it? He didn't yeah. seen in it, and that was the last. The last thing he ever filmed, I, I believe. I'm checking on IMDb uh, now. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I should probably watch that then. I and mean, miss.
3: it's uh, yeah. yeah. I t- totally nothing to do with it, but when I went to see it, was his hands had a nosebleed. <laughs> and I was wearing a white t-shirt, and I come out, and I look like I've been stabbed. <laughs> uh, so there you that go. probably encouraged a lot of people. Oh to yeah, yeah. I came out fairly quiet, so it looked like the people I'd a beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, so like even from the start in this, um, you know, obviously this it's it kicks off pretty full on straight away, um, but in a funny sort of way. But then I, I really quite liked. Um, the, as he brought the comedy into it, the way it had each of them, the couples in the car, and explaining what they're doing, and just somehow it's like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. They're obviously, you know, I, I guess, po- pointing out a little too much um, exactly what their place in this is. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know, it, I was warmed to it straight away, really, and, yeah, it continued throughout being very entertaining. Yeah, it's less, less than subtle. Isn't yeah, that, yeah, yeah.
2: I just love the opening line. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with the guy in the bushes. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I, I type forgot. A great way of opening the field with a, oh, mm. shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> even but, Vincent Price to me, the way, even when he was swearing, the, the acting, you could tell he was yeah. above everyone else. Like,
4: yeah. Oh, that
2: really pisses me off. Yes.
4: <laughs> you pissed
2: off. Yeah,
3: mm. that was it. <laughs> Actually, actually, I watched. I watched like there's a there's an extra on the DVD. I watched it just before they started, and um, they said, Oh, you know, like they were, it was like an Australian interview with Kenny Everett because despite the fact this died on its arse over here, it did very well in Australia, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, he um, he said, Oh, no, everyone was great. Um, he said, I thought Pamela Stevenson was quite snooty though because she was just not. She wasn't a team player. She'd just keep going off to her dressing room and everything. And it was just when he said, so we're sitting there with Vincent and everything. It's like, you know, that's just fantastic. (laughs) Vince Price just mucking in with like all these stalwarts of British TV comedy. Um, But as it turns out, the reason that Pamela Stevens had kept nipping off is actually she was pregnant. So Mm. she was honking her rivets up between takes and (laughs) didn't tell anyone. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I say that extra on the disc. I watched that as well. uh, Literally, as soon as the film finished, Mm. when I watched it the other week, Um, yeah, and I found it really interesting. You know, it's just telling you about how it was all privately funded. um, Yeah, Mm. and what a massive flop this film was. Unfortunately, Mm. Um, yeah, never really made that money back, and I I suppose lends to why it became a lost film for so long. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, the story
3: behind that was is that because obviously, yeah, it died on its ass at the box office, mostly. And we'll get into Kenny because he just for an uh, an idea for certainly for our uh, our international listeners, uh, Kenny Everett um, doesn't appear on the cover of Bloodbath, the House of Death video that was released in America. Is only Vincent Price because literally, mm. I, well, they won't know who Kenny Everett is, but we can sell it on the basis that Vincent
1: Price is in it. Hmm.
3: Um, but yeah, we we'll, as I say, we'll get into his, the, his sort of,
1: picture on the front is uh, very good, yes. So I think they should, oh, they're,
3: they're,
0: yeah, that
3: Basically.
1: does sum it up perfectly, really. <laughs>
3: they, they, they are very carry on,
1: like illustrations <laughs> yeah. as well, yeah. Oh,
3: they, yeah. yeah, and the um, but yeah, so it's so sort of, Kenny Everett had. Uh, controversially the week before they started filming and this they said that was one of the reasons why their funding got lynched um, was Kenny appeared at the Conservative Party conference in 1983 and um, I saw another interview with Kenny Everett where he's talking about it and basically he said because at the time everyone was like oh fucking hell, Kenny Everett's a Tory, fuck it and mm. just, you know, and so and they, they said literally that was why the um, bloodbath sort of came out in, at a point where he was at his lowest sort of popularity amongst, well, not necessarily the public, but certainly sort of with media darlings, etc. And, um, and, but he actually said, oh, yeah, I went and did that. Uh, why, did you go, why did you do the Tory party conference? And he said, um, well, they asked me first and yeah I don't think he had much of a sort of but apparently Michael Winner wound him up before he went on he said nah, you've got to go and be outrageous so you get in the papers and he said to him well what's outrageous then let's bomb Russia perfect <laughs> and um, yeah so that, So he went so yeah that was, that was when he did the party conference it wasn't just that he'd done the party conference he came out in the brotherly love giant foam pointy fingers and said and said let's bomb Russia and let's kick Michael Foote's stick away. And Michael Foote was the uh was the leader of the Labour Party at the time, <laughs> who had a walking stick. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> irony. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. So but I didn't realize this, but they said at the time Oddly, because everyone thinks, oh, multiplexes, that killed cinema. And it's like, no, streaming did, don't be silly. Streaming will kill it when people were moaning about multiplexes. But they actually said, with multiplexes, this film could have done better. But because they were like, the average, it was like a three-screen cinema was probably the biggest cinemas that you had, certainly in England. And um, yeah, if your film wasn't doing well, they just pulled it because they Mm. had loads of other films to show and, you know, if, if you had, like, five big films that week, that cinema was only showing three of them. And, yeah, so if your film wasn't doing well, it's like, we'll pull that because this other one's doing great. And we'll, mm. yeah. So it disappeared disappeared from uh, sort of distribution and stuff like that. No one was really asking for it. It was never sold to television, um, strangely enough, uh, because beca- they, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they never, they it was released on video, but just like commercial video cassette. It wasn't sort of there, wasn't a good copy anywhere, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then in 2008 or whatever it was, there's so the company that made the DVD, uh, Nucleus Films, uh, basically, their. I think it's what's his name, Mark Morris, uh, who runs Nucleus Films. He said, I've got a wall filled with my old videotapes, and I if, if I'm sort of just trying to think of something i look at them and just go i'd like to see that again or i'd like to see that come out and bloodbath the house of death was one of them but he found out that he couldn't get hold of a print because no one wanted it it flopped totally and this was like 20 odd years later um couldn't find it had never been sold to telly so he couldn't get like a vt copy of it that might be passable for a dvd transfer or anything else like that and then he asked. The, he went to talk to the original production company, but the original production company went bust while they were making the fucking film. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was a bit of a non-starter. But so what they did was they um, he started ringing um, the actual processing labs, and at the end credits in every film you get which lab processed the foot the footage, and obviously not hoping for much, but whatever, he then, he spoke to this particular lad um, and they still had the negative. So rather than releasing like a shitty VT version of it, they actually managed to get the negative and strike a new copy from it. And, you know, because it does look really fucking incredible. It's probably like, for, for the film of its age, there is no way on God's earth it should look that good. Absolutely. Well, that's Especially for
2: I haven't got the DVD or video or anything. I managed to see it on YouTube and even then mm. it was crystal clear.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's an upload because you can't get the DVD anymore. No, so, I would look.
2: But, you can uh, get the novelization though for about 20 quid on eBay.
3: Oh, <laughs> interesting facts about the novelization. You know in the, you know you know in the list of dead people where it's like yeah. uh, Four people were skewered in their own bed, and someone watching that blew up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently, in the book, the person who blew up was Marcel Wave. You know, the French character that Kenny used to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, With the false chin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's Marcel so it was Marcel Wave who was too turned on by four people in bed being stabbed with a spear that he spontaneously combusts. <laughs> <laughs> Which again it gives you it gives you a level of the film, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, so they, they found it in storage. But the trouble is, is what what a lot of companies obviously do is they'll store it for you, but they charge you for it, and eventually they chuck it away because you know fortunately they hadn't chucked bloodbath away out, but the um the accrued storage fine was twenty-five thousand oh. pounds. Wow! And again, let's face it, it's not—it's not a hidden Kubrick. It's not, you know, sort of like Alfred Hitchcock's first like home videos or whatever like that. It's not gonna—it's not gonna make back 25, <laughs> 25 <laughs> fucking grand. <No. laughs> um, But, but again, Mark Morris sort of hammered at it and basically he managed to talk them down on the price because it was like, look, this way you will get some money for this. Mm. Otherwise, what else are you doing with this? Because literally no one else is interested. So make some money or chuck it away and no one's got anything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why it exists. But, yeah, so for a time it was a genuinely regarded as a lost film because there were no you know copies of it there were no original and it's just a weird thing and apparently there's still the what was it there's a film that the bfi have just rescued called i start counting which was like some uh, like a thriller from the 70s and again i think that one is something that has languished where people have spoken about it and they've seen it but no fuck has seen it for 20 odd years because there's no keys around or anything and so people think it's just gone but and it's still I mean it's still happening now there's sort of there are bits and pieces where you think well all it takes especially in an economy that's fast Hmm. you know there's going to be a few labs where well we go bust who's buying us out no one so what happens to everything goes in the skid. and yeah so there could be
1: you could be missing loads and loads of stuff um, and I it's, just thought now, yeah. though, if that happened to someone, they'd put it on eBay or something and probably actually get people that are keen.
4: Well, this Wait.
3: is
1: the thing, though, but it's all <laughs> or, it's all like, it or
3: something. It's always the weird, yeah, crowdfunding, certainly, but, mm-hmm. but it's always that weird thing as well, where it's like the legalities of things, where it's like. Right, we've mm. got to throw. I'm um, thro- right, more we're complicated
1: throwing- than yeah. Where it's like, yeah. right,
3: we're throwing this away. Oh, can I keep it? No. Why? No. Right. <laughs> Why not? Well, but you're throwing it away. Yeah, yeah. you can't keep it. Why? Because it's our property. Yeah, yeah. But you're throwing it away.
2: <laughs> yeah, but still, and it's just- <laughs> <laughs> so- also it depends what the media was recorded on because some media has to be securely disposed of because of it. It's toxic. Mm-hmm. that's very true. Yeah, it's like it's high nitrate in
3: in celluloid in and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It? That's the older thing. Some videotape as well. Some of the ferric chemicals on some videotape is actually toxic now. So
3: Yeah. I was I've been reading about that. Have you seen the, did you see the thing about the village where they had an abandoned uh, I think it was an abandoned opticians in there. Um and yeah, they just they got they went bust so they just left all their stuff there So people uh so people broke in and were taking bits and pieces and everything including someone took um a like monitor thing or like eye monitor thing that had um radioactive isotopes in it mm. yeah. and the kids were just playing with them oh god in the in the fucking street well and, kids uh, like
2: a glow stick don't they exactly you
3: know it,
0: yeah, it's
3: not, I was going to say, when it's grown on, it's a bit much,
0: isn't it? <laughs> Spooky arm. Spooky arm. I think Spooky. that's the thing about this film. It's, I mean, I, I like it. I think it's great fun. Um, oh, yeah. It's got so many classic actors of British comedy in it as well um, who just give fantastic performances. But I can see how it hasn't aged terribly well. As you say, it's that kind of carry-on thing. Um, and obviously a couple of the scenes are now problematic, shall we say. Um, but, I, I, I mean, overall, it, it was a great thing of its time. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just a shame that this film doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I, the, the only other person I've heard talk about it, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show or not before, um, Tony Wash, who we had on before from Scotchworthy Productions. I was following him mm. on back when I was still on Facebook. And he put a picture up and it was the scene of the, the uh the young girl kneeling down in front of the cross with the big wooden casket drapes on her head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's a photograph yes. of TV with that on it, and it just said underneath it, what the fucking hell is going on with this? And I was like, Oh my god, he wants <laughs> a bath. But yeah, I suppose Vincent Price it is a sellable mm. name even abroad. So yeah, it's the kind of thing they do yeah. at two o'clock in the morning. But he was he just stumbled across it and was like, what craziness have I just found in the middle
2: of the night? This, this film has got my first ever crush in it.
0: Mm.
2: Cleo Rockers. Yeah, well, oh.
3: that's. I think. I think that's mm. for a lot of us.
0: In this film, yeah. she does look quite a lot like Dave Vanian from the Damned.
3: But I mean, you know, you 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 are not. man. Not selling her to me there. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You know. Can you do History of the World? Part one, Mendova. <laughs> but I, the, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it is, it's, I'd imagine for people, like, from, because it's, it is genuinely a book. And the one thing I saw someone, it, I just want to put it up, it pissed me off for a minute. And I thought, no, spot on. And it was uh, someone, 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 someone... No, someone had put on... Uh, someone had put it up saying, watch this, it's the original scary mm. movie. And I was like, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. actually, probably right, because yeah. it's like, it's... Because it, rather than spoofing a specific movie, mm. it has obvious sort of spoofs from everything. You've got,
1: like... It does spoof one definite movie. Yeah, well, yeah, Yeah. uh, there was ET and um, Alien where it comes out. Yes,
3: the mole, the entity. (laughs) The entity definitely, because that's the weird thing is because you've got the idea, like you saying, Lee, about this sort of like problematic sequences and stuff like that. But the entity sequence is actually that you know that that is that is a parody of a film that was out at the time. Yeah, everyone was like, Mm. "Oh, that's absolutely fine," and it's like, "No, it's not." That's pretty fucking great, <laughs> you know. Um, especially when people start putting the words "based on a true story" and it's like, no, based on something that someone said. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you know, there is there is a there is a difference. But anyway, we we're not here to discuss the entity. But, and
0: Hell um, uh, House is the main one for me, you know, because it's the, the yeah Legend big, of Hell House. Together, yeah. the big computer yeah. is very mm. much the Hell House story, but. Yeah, then you chuck in a load of, then there's a cult and there's a slasher and there's these crazy monks and, yeah. Well, oh, there's American Werewolf.
3: Yeah. yeah. American Werewolf is the pub sequence when they go in and it's yeah. like, what's yeah. that weird thing on the wall? And yeah. and again, it's just those lovely subversion bits. They're all probably my favourite bits where it's like, um, can, can we show us the way to Headstone Manor? And everyone goes, was, was this something I said? and he's just got his flies under. Yeah. and I just yeah and then everyone continues talking
1: as normal it's so, the same so with him there's another one where he's playing the music he's like playing a double bass and it's oh, the music is building that. up and building up and it's like I just wasn't expecting it and it's very it's you know it's kind of a cheat trick maybe but they did it well it's like that, that worked
3: that a 100% is my favourite bit of the entire fucking film yeah. and And weirdly nostalgic for me because the only uh, because just before this came out, it was on like film eighty four with Barry Norman or whatever like that, Mm. and that was the clip they showed. Uh And because my dad was watching, was watching the, he he taped it, and then he was like, "Oh, I'll show, I'll show you this." And I remember, and I just thought it was a fucking horror film. Mm. so it's like oh and, up, and there's yeah. me at sort of like the age of six just going oh the fuck's this guy oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dad dad i think this is a bit <laughs> tense for me hey <laughs> ask kenny everett on the car's <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's not and it's just not just the do you mind it's john fortune uh john fortune coming oh, terribly sorry <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> and also we've got barry Cryer at the very beginning yeah, who wrote it? Yeah, yeah co-writer
3: yeah. with um, with Ray Cameron, because they're the they're the two co-writers of loads of Kenny Everett's. Uh, they, stuff they did the Baron video Grunt.
2: show, didn't they? Really? Yeah, they, they, they did a video the show. I think
3: they I think they were with him when he did the bee, uh, the stuff on the well. Interestingly, there you go. Um, I discovered Kenny Everett is responsible for the Beeb, as in yeah. a nickname for the BBC. Oh, really. Mm. <laughs> yeah it was when he was DJing and he used to refer to them as the beep and so yeah and it's like oh yeah no, I always use that fucking term it, was, it came from here but and, and I mean Barry Cryer is I mean still fucking going yeah
0: which yeah. is I mean
3: he, he is probably one of about three people still alive in this film which is saying something you know because mm. he's um, he's Gareth Hunt dead yeah yeah, he is. I thought I thought he was. Yeah, because obviously Don Warrington's still with us, and so is Cleo Rockus, uh, yep. Pamela Stevenson. Pamela but pretty Le- much, yeah. But pretty much that's it um, in terms of the cast. And obviously because some of them were older actors anyway. Um, but um, but Barry Cryer. Uh, so I, I I sort of jotted down a brief list. Right, these are the people that Barry Cryer has written for in his time. Spike Milligan, Richard Pryor, Dave Allen, Les Dawson, Kenny Everett, the two Ronnies together and apart, Jasper Carrot, Marty Feldman, Joan Rivers, Frankie Howard, Matt Lucas, Malcolm Wise, Jack Benny, Bob Hope, Dick Emery, Rory Bremner, George Burns, Russ Abbott, Little & Large, and David Frost.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Mm. One more. Go on. Eric Sykes. And Eric Sykes, yes. Ah. That is oh, another and, one. Uh, did you say Tommy Cooper?
3: Uh no, I don't think Tommy Cooper's in the list as well.
0: He, he helped do the plank. Oh, now that's a, a film I remember yes. from, a, from a kid. It was always on TV, it was always a good, a good laugh. Actually, I think yeah. I think
3: more. I think it was more likely it was always on video because I know your dad. Yes, and I know he had a copy of the plank. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously he was like he's been he's appeared uh, he appears in loads of stuff because obviously he's just super fucking connected hmm. um but like he's been in the goodies and the detectives and believe nothing and and he's dick jaws in all you need is cash the ruttles uh, film <laughs> and i just don't write that down because dick jaws is one of the best fucking character names i've ever seen um wrote with and appeared with the monty python team for david frost and at last 1948 show um brought, he did broaden your mind with um Tim Taylor and uh, Graham Garden, um, and he actually did a, his own sketch show, which is him, Tim Taylor, and John Junkin, called Hello Cheeky, uh, which I have, uh, which I've not seen. I did start watching something called the Steam Video Company or the Stream Video Company. It's all up on YouTube, but it was basically a thing that he did, and it's him, Jimmy Mulville, Madeline Smith. Um, uh, and Anna Dawson and, and like a few, but it's basically spoof horror uh, films, but it's stuff like um, Jekyll and Hyde and stuff. It was okay, you know? The only trouble is as well is it's also that thing where it's you know, there's the difference between when you're expecting it and when you're not, when when it's something brand new hmm. and then suddenly someone's blacked up and you're like, oh, fuck, right. Whereas, <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes you go into these things knowing, you know, that it's like, oh, right, okay, yeah. So the, this will happen. So it won't sort of like, oh, that's that's shifted it tonally. But it's but weirdly enough, it also stars the guy who is the man from the ministry in The Satanic Rites and Dracula. Oh cool. Uh, uh, he's the he's he's the main actor and he's really fucking good. He's a really great comic actor. But you can hear, you can hear it's a fucking Barry Cryer. Right, uh, Barry Cry involved, and it's written by um, uh, mostly written by uh, Andrew Marshall and shit. The other guy who did One Foot in the Grave, uh, Andrew Marshall, and something else. Um, but yeah, they um, and yeah, that was that was pretty good. But it was it was literally it was like they did Doctor Jekyll, and there was the fantastic moment where Doctor Jekyll. Transformed only he, so, but he did act like he transformed. So it was exactly <laughs> the same man, just going. I feel so young, and my voice is deeper and more resonant. And then his and then his receptionist came in and went. Ah, who are you? Never mind who I am. <laughs> like me <laughs>
2: my invisibility yeah. pants that time. Do you remember? It's very much like your invisibility <laughs>
3: pants, because they don't work. And I'm very sorry to tell you this now. That
2: Nah, no, it was just me half nude wandering around the garage.
3: Again. <laughs> it's just that time we had cameras. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh.
2: uh, one, one,
3: one other Barry Cryer fact. Uh, he is... Uh, he had a number one single in Finland. Really? His version is him singing Purple People Eater. Um, and for some... Basically, he was in... A musical in the West End called Espresso Bongo and that was the song he sung in it and there's a cast recording but the actual song by um, Sheb Woolley who did the proper, or like the original Purple People Eater, for some rights reason it was unavailable in Finland so they released Barry Pryor's one instead and he got to number one <laughs> And actually, and actually if you listen to it He's got a pretty good, like, um, Psycho billy voice. Oh, really? He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: I can tell it's Barry Cryer, but he's trying. You know, <laughs> Let's see if I can find that. I've got to say, I mean, everybody in this, as we were saying about, you know, they're all they're all British comedians who you, you know from so much stuff. But, yeah, I think Don Warrington and Gareth Hunt, uh, the couple who aren't a mm. couple, who are surreptitiously mm. creeping around... They're just the best
2: part of this for me. I just found them absolutely hilarious. <laughs> There's lots of little subtleties, like when he's looking through the magazine and uh, Gareth Hunt, and it's just the the tongue just momentarily flicks <laughs> across the lips as he's looking at the naked, well, the semi-naked men. Also, little things
3: also, like that, I love. Also, I, really? I, think, I think at this point, Kenny was out. Hmm. I, yeah. think, I think r- roughly around this sort of time, Kenny Everett was out. And... It's actually quite nice that it's, the jokes are there, but it's much more sophisticated than, isn't it funny, two blokes kissing? Yeah, yeah. Whereas exactly, yeah. it's yeah. much more, the humour is based around how they are sort of like operating around others to yeah. remain, to try and not, yeah. And it's, yeah, I think they just do it so fucking well. Interesting fact, when I was looking this up though, Don fucking Warrington, do you know where he grew up? Newcastle really? and he lost he lost the accent in rep like when he started doing like theatre and stuff like that that's when the accent but he's (laughs) actually got yeah and actually his his real name what is it I did I did jot it down because I'm like that Hmm. Um, yeah his real name is Williams Don Williams but um, there was already an actor called Don Williams so and the equity rules are you can only have there can only be one. <laughs> um, and uh, he grew up on uh, Warrington Road. So that's why it's, no. that's why he's gone Warrington. So, yeah. He's also in a film, and I don't know if you might have come across this, Lee. There's a film that I think is horror, but I'm not quite sure, called The Glass Man.
0: I've not heard of it. No, I don't know if that
3: rings, but it's... No, and it's got... He's in it, and Andy Nyman is in it. And James Cosmo, who is also the only other genuine Scotsman in Highlander actually playing a Scotsman. Um, but James Cosmo's like the, the you'd know him. He's, he's do, a yeah, Scottish him. dude. He was, yeah, he's mm-hmm. Renton's dad in train spotting and he's in uh, Game of Thrones. He's in the Night's Watch and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's, yeah, Don Warrington's done his. Uh, uh, mostly did his in the sitcom did most of his dues in the sitcom Rising Damp. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah he's turned up in Doctor Who and Red DeWolf and Monkey Trousers and This Is Jinsey. Uh Armando Inucci's show. I also remember he was Nigel Beaumont in Cat's Eyes. Oh,
4: which was yes. he was right, <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> but I mean yeah I mean he's and obviously um Gareth Hunt um from the new avengers and uh cafe so <laughs> and, for the, and for the benefits of the tape we're all shaking our uh, we're all shaking our coffee beans at the camera so yeah. <laughs> um, Gareth, Gareth hunt much better known than hes his, his uh, son isaac
2: <laughs> we both had a, <laughs> we both had a Gareth hunt doll didn't we adam
3: no that was the tom baker figure wasn't it they yeah, were
2: that's how I meant it. It was it's exactly the same head, they just used Gareth Hunt's head <laughs> for the Tom Baker doll. I genuinely
3: I, I was joking, but I did not realise that. So but because no, that makes perfect sense because it looks like it fucking looks a like butt more like Gareth Hunt than it does Tom Baker. Yeah, it was it, it, was,
2: it, was, it was the yeah, it was the Gareth Hunt head. I know that the
3: Daypole Tom Baker was based on Prince Charles. Like they're Prince Charles. <laughs> I think that's. Just, I think that was just to give him a row of fucking enormous teeth.
0: Shave the ears
3: back.
0: Uh, so speaking of enormous teeth, yeah, So she has them just because they're showing here on IMDb. Obviously Pamela Stevenson, most of us know from not the nine o'clock news, predominantly.
3: Yeah, um, and yeah. and being and being Brian a uh, bit of Brian Connolly fucking hell. <laughs> Billy Connolly's wife. Yeah
4: um
3: because she um and she actually gave up she gave up acting and uh got a degree in psychology she's actually Dr Pamela Stevenson and um is and is an actual like eminent psychologist although I think much the same as Jennifer has Look at the fucking case study she married. <laughs> so, you know, I suspect that no wonder she gets good fucking results. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: obviously, uh, John Fortune was part of Bird and Fortune. I remember, again, we were frequently yeah. on TV as a fantastic double act growing up. Um Yeah, and again, as, <laughs> as you said, Adam, He's the other one who just turns up in stuff. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I tell you the one thing that I thought was, and this is sort of something that I think definitely this film has. This film genuinely has creepy moments. Mm. None, none of the spoof stuff, obviously, because it's like, oh, that's Carrie, oh, that's yeah. this or whatever like that. But the stuff that's kind of more original to them, like the double ganger stuff, mm. is oddly eerie. What? Yeah. But there's one bit where it's John Fortunes when he sort of goes through it and the door just... And it's some lovely editing as well because yeah. there's a couple of times you can see the jump but most of the time you can't. Hmm. And so it someone goes down a corridor and then their double follows them or, or whatever like that. And it's actually really sinister. John Fortunes fucking double... There's a bit where the door sort of, like, sounds like... And he is standing there in half darkness with his fucking hair wild and his eyes. He looks like he is going to tear you apart. Yeah. Which, considering he is mostly silly answers, you know, it's it's a transformation on a part with when Hugh Laurie suddenly became Clint Eastwood, <laughs> as far as America was concerned. <laughs> we, all as, we all know him as silly George, but, you know, to <laughs> the Americans, it's like, who's this heartthrob with the stuff? Yeah.
2: With Bloodbath though, there was a thing about it when I watched it is there is a kind of I don't know a way of dis- another way of describing it, a kind of 80s sickness, the same kind of sickness I felt when I first saw Evil Dead as a kid. You mm. know, that kind of it must be the look of the film and the, the lighting, but there was that kind of even the glowing pie sequence where mm. it's glowing. There's that kind of bearish day glow, but yeah. it wasn't kind of glow, glowing time green. Yeah.
3: Glowing and breathing, which is just weirdly brilliant and never comes back. Yeah. Again, no. that's that which <laughs> which in a way, which in a way, what better way to pay tribute to you know low budget slasher films by having bits that make no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um the director was showing it to the BBFC, and James Furman Light, like, who was the head of the BBFC at the time, said, Oh well, I think he said, No. You know, we're going to get an 18. That's fine. Um, I'm sure it'll be a lot funnier once it's edited. And it was the final edit. I think oh. that he, yeah, he, no, no, not fun, not funnier. No, sorry. It would make, it'll make more sense when it's edited. <laughs> and they were like, ah, oh, shit. But yeah, but also oh, we God. know that the amount of money that was sort of around and the financial difficulties they were having, it was like, oh, well, yeah, we'll just strike up and edit it for a fucking another month or something like that. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I need to deliver this to the cinema by Friday.
2: <laughs> one thing I've always enjoyed is when clothes are instantly whipped off of someone, right? And it's they great we can't any but when you actually watch Pamela Stevenson, you see one of her knockers fall out and she hasn't had time to cover it up. Interesting. Yep, we've all seen it. <laughs> it. Because no, I just, I just, yep. there's, there's so many bits in this film that really pushed all my buttons when it comes to humour.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, it's, just so much of it is brilliant. I think it comes from such a wonderfully silly place hmm.
3: that it's really. You can't help but warm to it, much like, much like Kenny Everett. Yeah, mm.
4: yeah.
3: You know, Kenny Everett as as a personality. It, there's what is it he says on that because there's the interview with for Australian TV, and he said define your humour, and he says lots of jokes done really fast, so you can't see that they're not that good, yeah. and, <laughs> <laughs> and then take the money and run. He that did not
1: he did step up in my uh, I guess you could say admiration when he was doing his monologue about um being ridiculed and he's actually a German surgeon. Yeah, exactly. then, and I was like yeah. I was like, Hold on, am I watching uh... oh no, no oh Michael Palin, that's it. Oh son, I was like what it just, just totally reminded me of um I think it was uh, in the life of Brian when he's playing as uh, it's not Caesar, but he's
3: Oh, yes. Um he is he's, he's um yes, he's Pontius Pilate.
1: Oh yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know, just I suddenly like reminded me of that. I, <laughs> and I was thinking, no, like he's actually, you know, he's not a bad actor as well. He's mm. actually
3: all the way through this I was thinking, actually, he's a fucking good actor. I think he holds mm. his own because because mm. weird enough it is that thing as well where it's like comedy actors, but they're all good fucking comedy actors. Yeah. Mm. Like yeah. she was yeah. stay full, and um, we've not mentioned Sheila Staple, but I mean, obviously she's like, um, she's crossed the divide. She's done serious and uh, comedy hmm. uh, stuff and, and both equally as well. But yeah, everyone in it wearing, is actually. Sorry. Is she the one wearing the ghosts of Motley Hall? Don't know. Don't know. Let me see if I, I don't know if, I, if I've got any um I should have looked this up myself
2: really
3: I mean she but... was I mean she was in Q and the good Yes yeah. um and obviously she's in Dalek's Invasion of Earth 2150 yeah. AD
4: Yeah and we've grass.
3: actually seen we've seen her before as uh, on Welcome to Horror she was in she plays a journalist in quite a mess in the pit the hammer quite a mess in the pit Oh did she um yeah, yeah. but the um but yeah, Kenny's like actually, uh, you know, it's a good it's a good naturalistic performance, which is really weird to say
4: mm-hmm.
3: versus all the sort of over the topness of it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that's some that's something that it's got is it doesn't have. I mean, obviously, Kenny then does the German accent, and it gets sort of out of hand. <laughs> but they don't really have any sort of carry on performances in it. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's playing it. Everyone's yeah. playing it pretty straight as if they are in yeah. a serious yeah. film. Mm. But also you've got people who know how to but they're all everyone knows how to play the comedy properly. It's mm. not that horrible thing. And and Vincent Price definitely is, is in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Mm. But but then I think weirdly enough, I think for Vincent Price it's probably it's probably just sort of like, well, I'm getting to show the other side of all the characters that I played. Because yeah you always get the impression that Rodney Asher would tell someone to, you piss up. <laughs> you know, sort of, I, you know, and like stuff like comedy of terrors, obviously, you yeah. know, he, he does, he's, uh, he can do comedy. He, you know, we can do anything and shit it out
0: as far as I'm, concerned. He's fucking marvelous. <laughs> um, it was good to see the first appearance of Mark Wahlberg as well in this as uh... That American, the uh, oh, yeah. he looks
3: exactly like Mark Wahlberg. Um, yeah, and I completely he, look, he, look, he looks like some Mark Wahlberg ran at Neil Innes really quickly. <laughs> yeah, somehow they just sort of colour out the space fused. But because yeah. I, I was because I was like, oh, well, I know everyone in this apart from him. Um, because even like the landlady, she's in like she's always in loads of. TV comedy she's, she's in On the Buses the TV series yeah, and the film and Mutiny on the Buses playing different characters who are all the same character because yep. they're always just someone that Red is trying to chat up but yeah <laughs> and obviously you've got like David Lodge David Lodge is in there as well who's fucking who's just fucking brilliant anyway did you watch uh, Two Way Stretch after all Lee by the way
0: no, I didn't. I did find it actually on archive.org, so I've downloaded it, um, mm. and it's ready to go. Uh, and it's a pretty good print as well. So. Yeah, because
3: yeah, because the the trio in that is Peter Sellers, David Lodge, and um Bernard Cribbins. It's a fucking excellent, yeah. uh, excellent little set.
0: Yeah, so there, there isn't enough David Lodge in this for me. I, I could definitely have would have liked his character to have had a bit more. A bit yeah. More to do, It's good
3: to see. I would have. I think actually, the only thing that I find really sort of like with this film is that you don't get Kenny and Vincent Price on screen. Yeah, yeah. Which I suspect would have been fucking spectacular. (laughs) Um, Or or even just one of those ones that you could just gently, occasionally, just flash onto the internet and go the funk. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Eddie Everett with Vincent Price.
2: What the <laughs> f- um, so like it, it, this good. film it, it does what most British comedies do, which is oh, shit we gotta wrap this up now. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you got, got this, you got the space alien element, and then it's like, hang on a minute, in two shots, it's now turned into a spaceship, it's gone, and now it's an ET parody.
3: yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. oh. I was enjoying that what happened yeah. to it. <laughs> do, do, do you want a remarkable fact? Yeah, the always. voice of the lady yeah. is a six-year-old boy, and it's a six-year-old Michael McIntyre. <laughs> because, what? Because because Michael McIntyre's dad directed this film. Ray Cameron is Michael McIntyre's dad, or was he dead, but um, but well, still is, but anyway, um, yeah, and so the, the genuinely funniest thing that Michael McIntyre's ever done yes. is Bloodbath of the House <laughs> of Death. But yeah, it's just, and apparently... And yeah, what nervous,
2: anyone could have done that voice. I thought it was Kenny at one point taking a piss, but Sam said yesterday, yeah. it's Michael McIntyre. And well, I, I thought, I was, oh God, I hate I more. I was, I was looking at it, well, because I was looking it up online, like looking the film
3: up online, and look, look, going through the cast list on IMDb or whatever, and it had uncredited cast voice of ET Michael McIntyre with a picture of Michael McIntyre next to it, and I just thought it's one of those. I just thought it's one of those times when IMDb's got confused. Yeah, I thought right, right, a little kid called Michael McIntyre did the voice on this. He is written down somewhere, and now someone thinks Michael McIntyre's in this film, and I was like, because I mean, he'd have been like fucking five or something when this was made. It can't be Michael McIntyre. And no, he was six when it was made, and it is. So <laughs> apparently apparently, he did once, what well, he when he met Billy Connolly, he said, oh, I was in a film with your wife once. And um, Billy Connolly's reply was, yeah, Pam did a lot of shit back in the day.
2: <laughs> <Brilliant. laughs> it's a day, del- you know, Brotherly Loves Hands. Yeah. I've seen the original... BBC pair of them in the BBC special effects warehouse. When I did the BBC filming and I had to do my voiceover, I got a guided tour of Television Centre. Don't worry, Jimmy wasn't in. And um, (laughs) I got a guided tour of it and we went past the special effects thing. I got to step into the two BBC police boxes, the TARDISes, that they had, the two props, the uh, Yardley Jones ones. And... um, (laughs) <laughs> and also, in up in the rafters, they had Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia, and they had Brother Lee Love's hands up there wow. with the wood still in of it, which he used to put his hand in and hold on to to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Can I just ask, how did you how did you and your erection get back out through the door? <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually, it was those massive great big, big sliding doors because it was a big loading boat. Oh, that, oh, was job there done, was then. plenty of swing room for that.
0: Good, good.
3: Well, I think I think we need to I think we need to help uh, help the international listeners somewhat. So <laughs> Kenny Everett was uh, born Morris Cole on Christmas Day in 1944. Um, fascinated with radio from childhood. He actually used to build his own radio transmission equipment when he was a kid. He would do uh, make tapes of himself and do like speed to change the voices and stuff like that and was constantly making, essentially making radio shows before anyone asked him to make a radio show. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, So when the opportunity arose, he uh, became a radio DJ originally on Pirate Radio London, where not only did Tony Blackburn save him from drowning whilst he was on LSD, because apparently Kenny was going to go and take a swim, and Tony Blackburn just very pragmatically locked him in his fucking cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he did get the sack from Pirate Radio London because... He insulted the station's fundamentalist Christian sponsors on air. Uh, <laughs> this, this is not... This is going to become a pattern, I will just say. Um, he then joined <laughs> the BBC because they'd launched Radio 1 to try and beat the uh, pirate stations. Um, he was then sacked from this for suggesting that the transport minister's wife had bribed her way to passing her driving test. <laughs> Again, we're talking quite a while back where it was like... I mean, nowadays, it was like, well, I just... Here's the best bit, though. It's like, yeah, he got sacked for that. Should have fucked some kids, mate. That'd have made you a fucking star. Yeah. <laughs> him, him and Blackbird sitting back, going, "Why are we getting? Why do we never get invited to any of these Radio One parties? Because yeah. like, you're fucking decent human beings with souls. Yeah, <laughs> you're not just a collection of nonce beards. So, <laughs> um, and so he went on to Capital Radio um now the main thing that was which was he's a weird figure in terms of comedy because when he was on the radio is when he started doing all his character stuff and sketches and things but a lot of it was based around audio effects speeding up voices echoes sound effects all that sort of stuff you know and again that was something that you know that was something that was already in existence because like you've got stuff like the goon show and things like that which he really loved and um So he was sort of all the time. He was sort of pushing the boundaries, doing that sort of thing. Um, And then he was asked to go to television. He started off on LWT with two variety format shows called the Kenny Everett Explosion and Ev, um, which were basically he would present, and there'd be sort of there'd be a few sketches and lots of bands on and stuff like that. Um, and then he did four series of the Kenny Everett Video Show, um, which was his ITV uh, show, which was fantastically. That's the one where there's no audience, so it's just the crew cracking up every time they, every Quite time. time it.
4: Yeah. Oh, all <laughs>
3: the fucking time! And it's, I mean, that that is that that show can best be described as a beautiful shambles because mm. it is all over the fucking shop and actually like I, there's like watching interviews with Barry Cryer where he's like, oh yeah, the thing was with Kenny, it was really entertaining, but he was a director's nightmare. He didn't know what he was going to do. He walk, he walks off with the camera a couple of times. There's all sort of bits where he's sort of like, like that, but also he said, it was quite a nice atmosphere because it was always, because it was sort of so enclosed. It was basically just go and mess about with your mates for half an hour every week mm-hmm. and sort of, um, but again, on there, and this is the thing, Kenny Everett was never a stand-up comedian. I mean, obviously, sort of like people like Barry Cryer and John Junkin and all these sort of people who are writing for him had, had stand-up experience and stuff like that. But Kenny Everett goes straight to the television. But because he is not a stand-up comic, he is utterly unique because he's using video effects and special effects for humour. You know, it's the nearest equivalent would be, say, like someone like when the League of Gentlemen did their one that they did. uh, Sorry, the Psychoville League of Gentlemen episode where it's like they just did one take. Mm. And so for the gory bits, they used stage magic rather than sort of, you know, what normally you would do for a, 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 a thing. But this was like the inverse of it. So he would do things like there was that mind guy who would draw things. And then they would come to life and things like that. And it was all stuff that was like, yeah, there is literally no way of doing this on stage. This is not something you can move to a live venue. This is created by the technology, the tech that we've got. And even like green screen and basic shit like that, like there's the sketch where it's like, you won't be seeing any more nudity, not here, not on the BBC. And then it pans out and he's a tiny little figure in Cleo Rocker's cleavage. (laughs) and again you know how how do you do that on stage you know it's so carefully yeah (laughs) he was really sort of you know he really was an absolute pioneer the nearest you probably get to it now because Chris Morris is a big Kenny Everett fan and I think that there's something in that where you watch like the day-to-day and Brass Eye where there's humour that comes from look at the fucking mania of these graphics or do you know what I mean? This is, none of this yeah. is wordplay. None of this is conventional jokes. But it's funny because it's like, right, here's this is the news, but it's turned up to 11 and just looks absurd.
2: Uh, I also yeah. found that Kenny Everett was also a, a very Vivian Stanchel in his storytelling as well. Oh,
3: yes. Oh, yeah.
2: And that's You're the thing. very much,
3: <laughs> innit? Yeah, he could do a lot of, and that was the thing. He it wasn't just purely, you know, it wasn't just purely the visual side of it. He had the, he had the fun there and the jokes, and obviously he'd create the characters And you got like Sid Snot and uh, Cupid Stump, the uh, Hollywood actress who would tell Michael a cardboard cutout Michael Parkinson what what yeah, it was all down in the best So. And, and also just that lovely thing as well, where there was no, like, apart from Marcel Wave, where the joke was he was wearing a false chin so you couldn't see his beard, is <laughs> when he was Cupid or any other women, they never bothered like taking his beard off or trying to cover it or anything like that. So it was always just there, and then you'd have like sort of, like sort of disgruntled of Cheemo or whatever it was, where it was always like, you know, the guy in the business suit who would always yeah. be. And what? What? This is absolutely filthy. This is disgusting. I don't want it on my television. And then he turned around and he's got no back to his suit and stockings and suspenders on. (laughs) And it's just, yeah. When I was a kid, the sketch
2: that stuck out the most for me was, because I'm a big Spider-Man fan, was the one where he goes in to the public lavatory and he can't find a zipper for his costume. So he ends up just picking it out the bottom of his shoe because he's wet himself. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that, that sketch was the first time that Claire's brother David cried with laughter When he, he was only like he must have been what would you have been um, five if that five if that and uh, yeah but I think this was the thing is Kenny Everett had that weird ability where it was like this is all you know this is all there's innuendo and there's pretty much just fucking straight out on the nose endo but it and sort of double entendre single entendre and but there was a there's sort of something i mean he called himself cuddly ken you know and it was sort of like he he just had the sort of a mischievous impish charm that it sort of got away with it but wonderfully enough not one of those things where it's like oh he had a wonderful impish charm and then it's like oh yeah in real life he was a shit and he locked yeah. his wife in the cellar yeah. for three weeks and stabbed his son's eye out when he asked for a fucking toy or something like that and actually it's like no kenny everett was actually a outside of the studio he was a very fucking nice man as well so
2: and then there was um, captain Kremlin. yeah
3: there was captain Kremlin. here's there you go we've got a, a link to last week's episode he released a captain captain Kremlin was his spoof um sci-fi cartoon wasn't it where, again, yeah. where he was doing all the voices. Um, but he released a Captain Kremen single, uh, co-produced with Mike Vickers, who did the music for Dracula AD 1972. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. So
2: there you go. <laughs> there's there's a really good Captain Kremen album, and it has got my favorite joke of all time. And that is where Captain Kem- Kremen says, uh, don't you know, sir, I am a country member? And he goes, yeah, we remember <laughs> oh, that,
3: that, that sort of takes us further on, actually, because obviously, basically, the ITV series that he was doing got scheduled against Top of the Pops, and it was like, well, what was the fucking point of that? Because this is the most popular show literally on television, you know, thanks ITV. So he went back to the BBC where he did five series of the Kenny Everett television show, uh, which is where Cleo Rockus really becomes his sort of partner, straight woman. Well, not even that, because, you know, she's doing the jokes as well. But, yeah, she was sort of like yeah. his main... And obviously fucking lifelong friend and, you know, companion and so on. Um, but that also meant that he went back to BBC Radio. This time it was BBC Radio 2's Saturday morning show. Um, he then got sacked again. This And it was for this this particular lovely line. When England was a kingdom, we had a king. Now we're a country mm. And we have Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> which, which sort of, again, sort of predisposes that maybe his uh, Tory party conference thing wasn't necessarily anything more than just a, well, you know, a bit of a drink. <laughs> 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 um, but I mean, obviously he um, he was openly gay within his social circle, but he was... As a lot of people, you know, as a lot of people felt the need to be, he wasn't open with the public, particularly, certainly in the 60s and 70s. He married... Where is it? Yeah, in 1966, he married former singer and celebrity psychic Lady Lee, a woman called Audrey Middleton, uh, who was fully aware of his sexuality and often tried to fix him up with suitable dates. Uh, Their marriage ended amicably in 1979. Um, And then we've discussed the uh, the, uh, Tory party conference. Um, Yeah, uh, he was uh, obviously, uh, he was diagnosed HIV positive in 1989, went public with the diagnosis in 93 and then died in 1995 at the age of 50. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're
3: like, fucking hell, how much did you pack in, mate? Yeah,
0: that's an an awful lot of achievement in someone so young.
2: And actually, it was one of those... Colour with the Beatles as well, didn't he? John Lennon mm. was one of the people responsible for introducing him to acid. <laughs> ah. and Tony Blackburn was one of the people who kept, at least kept him alive to get the fifth bit.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, I mean, he... And, uh, obviously, the, the other main massive fact, and a thing, again, that people abroad may, may know, uh, is that he is the voice of Charlie the Cat from Charlie Says. So if you've heard Charlie by the Prodigy, the meowing on there is Kenny Everett. Didn't know that.
4: Meow. Yeah. yeah.
3: And um, yeah, but I mean, again, sort of like he um, and actually, doesn't Cleo Rockus follow you on Instagram, Wes? Yeah, she does.
2: Yeah. <laughs> She's, she does um, like guava things to go with tequila. Yeah, her own a brand of brand of tequila. tequila. Yes, yeah, she interesting. just randomly started following me. So I don't drink tequila because <laughs> it makes me poo. So um, everything makes
0: yeah. you poo. Yeah, so, <laughs> I've got to say, Clear Rockers. I Clear Rockers is another one. And, and again, another as we said before, somebody who had only I'd only really seen with Kenny Everett just as a yeah as part of his sketches and stuff. I'd never actually seen her act before. And again, yeah, just really good in this like when they do the lineup and it's her like zoned out Mm. because it's not the real her it's the demon yeah she just does a really good job i I think also it's
3: it's not it's not easy to play dizzy or thick Hmm. if you are actually dizzy or thick do you know what I mean? I think it's something where it's like, yeah, you could you, you could maybe hire someone who's an idiot to be an idiot, hmm. but you can't act, get them to act as an hmm. idiot. Yeah. yeah. So I think, again, I think a lot of people sort of immediately sort of planted her in as like a sort of bimbo, and it's like, no, she plays bimbos. Yeah, yeah that's her character. She is, she is extraordinarily beautiful, but she plays bimbos. Yeah, She isn't necessarily one, although you know, and um, well, thank the Lord for Kenny and getting her to monitor in the underwear a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the bits I like. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. But the, um, actually, yeah, that was the, the the other thing as well. Is that obviously the only person in this is uh, the Neil Inez Mark Wahlberg cross, John Stephen Hill. And I was sort of, I thought, he ain't been in fuck all, you know. So I had a look, and I found out the reason he hasn't been in anything pretty much since. is he became a minister, an ordained minister. He started working with a uh, charity that looks after disabled children. Then went to the uh, went to I don't know ecclesiastical college, whatever you. You know, whatever you have to go through to become an ordained minister, and he's still doing like sort of missionary work, charity work, and stuff like that to this day. So he's like, Yeah, just so potentially he can come back when we do the sequel. (laughs)
1: Because me and Claire
3: were discussing this, obviously, you know, that there's a there's a sequel to be done there, obviously, starring the five remaining cast members. (laughs) So but onward and upward, I have to say, I mean, the fucking the back joke. That gets me. That is so well
2: (laughs) put together. I don't know she's that woman's unpacking. It's just the big willy. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And the pump. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't, don't hear that word often enough anymore, (laughs) willy. (laughs) Can can I recommend having children? (laughs) (laughs) I ain't got the pipe work. (laughs)
0: oh that's another thing i've forgotten all about (laughs) it unrelated um but the lightsaber yeah the the lightsaber (laughs) yeah Yeah. the empire
2: strikes back moment you know the the bit with the force and the darkness and the head they actually use the real sound effect as well of it the crackling sound effect of the lightsaber I'm so, mind you this is isn't this from around the same
3: sort of time that danger mouse just bought a bbc radio phonic album used it for all their fucking sound effects yeah probably and, yeah. Then, and eventually a cease and desist was involved once i think they would like five series of danger mouse down or whatever
2: it was okay yes yeah, isn't there a computer in danger mouse that sounds like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy book starting up yeah, there's there's all of that.
3: All of the blasters are just chancery guards from Doctor Who. It's just yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but actually now now you've said about it, obviously because that bit in Empire Strikes Back is a double. Luke cuts his head off, and it actually is Luke in the uh, yeah. spoiler alert. Um, it's Luke in the <laughs> mask, <laughs> just in case. And um, yeah, so that sort of tracks with the doubles thing because it is actually. A double of Sheila Stailful in, uh, in the. And yeah. that, again, that is. Because I get the impression that they wanted to make a horror movie and then they lost their bottle and said, should we make it funny?
2: Because. Yeah, just in
3: case. <laughs> just in case. But it's like where they do carry, but with a can opener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the can yeah. opener decapitates <laughs> the mm because because the weirdest thing is is like you said Wes, where it's got that sort of early 80s sort of sheen to it that makes it a bit grubby and a bit uh, yeah
4: um, a
3: bit video nasty yeah a bit photo pure, yeah but that is pure video nasty where it's like yeah. the, the head coming off and everything and mm. all I and actually last night all I, every time I was walking like down uh, like walking through the house and everything else like that. All I've got in my head is doo, 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 doo,
0: doo. yes. Yeah. After we finished doo, it today, doo, doo. when I was going out to the kitchen to get dinner, <laughs> I kept making that noise walking up and down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. that so, yeah. there are things about this that do just stick in your mind and are yeah. and are kind of iconic really, but um hmm. it's saying about the gore and stuff, you know, the head being taken off and yeah, it was only today that I found out this film was an eighteen, and I was like, oh, of course it is. because there's quite a lot of gore and stuff in it mm. for a comedy. Normally, if they do a comedy horror film, they they soften on the gore so they can get a lower yeah credit so you can get more bums on seats in the cinema mm. and stuff. Yeah, whereas with this, they were like, yeah, no, let's just go for it. Let's just have They're- capitated heads everywhere and and go crazy. Well, that was a- that was another
3: character that like that was another Kenny Everett character that they used to do which was Reg Prescott, who was the incompetent <laughs> DIY expert,
0: <laughs> One of my who yeah. used to
3: just carve himself to ribbons with jigsaws and circular saws <laughs> and fucking drills and stuff like that. And that was always really fucking gory, like genuinely gory, <laughs> especially for something on the telly. You were like, no, you also know... Gen-
2: you take something like The Young Ones as well. You know, that, that does yeah. have some genuinely gory bits in it, The Young yeah. Ones, you know, but, but not the 9 o'clock news even. Yeah. What was it, that, that, again, uh, there was an interview,
3: at, I think it was Barry Cryer in an interview, where he said they were talking about Reg Prescott, um, like that, that character. And apparently Ken, Kenny Everett's take on it was, a bucket of blood is funny, a trickle of blood is disturbing. <laughs> and it's like actually very accurate, because you can get to that. Stage. It's like you even stuff that's meant to be serious, eventually you get to a point, I mean, To my mind, that is why the sequence at the end of Kill Bill Volume 1 is done in black and white. Yeah. Because it then gives you just the immediate joke of they come back to colour and the place is literally washed with blood and twitching limbs and people crawling away, stabbed and everything else like that. But the build-up would be too funny because it would just be absurd. And it's Monty Python used to do absurd gore as well. They would always have, like, I mean, obviously in fucking uh, Holy Grail, mm. but even on the series they would do absurdly high level gore. And yeah, I think I think with this, I mean, they did say no if they've gone if they'd have got a fifteen, they probably would have done all right, <laughs> because.
2: I when kenny's doing the operation and they're just pulling the <laughs> mincemeat and throwing it at each other
3: <laughs> it's when he gets stroppy with the patient and starts throwing it at you yeah
0: <laughs> uh yeah so i i think this is definitely i would say this is probably a recommend from all of us um
1: absolutely it's like the whole oh, thing yeah.
0: from youtube in its entirety and it's mm. a really clean copy uh, and say, do go in, being aware that uh, yeah, it, it it is from a time when uh, we were less politically correct about um, some of the stuff we do in comedy. It's, it's only a couple of scenes, but you can see why yeah. it was picked up for the, for UK TV, maybe. And uh...
3: I no, I think I think the UK TV thing. I think that was just literally it flopped. And actually, as they said, I think they said that on the documentary that it was like. ITV didn't buy it because Kenny had moved to the BBC and the BBC didn't buy it because they were like, Ugh, what's this? Because, <laughs> And again, this, this is back to that infuriating thing. There is a Essentially, I do love the BBC, but they have this really weird tendency of getting genuinely pioneering, creative, and at the very heart of it, Silly fucking comedians and jerking them around something yeah. chronic. Kenny Everett, yeah. Spike Milligan, Reeves and Mortimer, all these people that the BBC, I mean, like Reeves and Mortimer won a fucking comedy award for House of Fools and were told on their way to the stage that, oh yeah, we're not doing another series though. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck's that, guys? Yeah. At least tell yeah, the with- afterwards. Scarzel, Tell them the yeah. day afterwards or something. Fuck nice. Yeah. But yeah, and and Spike Milligan. I mean, it was fucking chronic. Spike Milligan, fucking like he would. That was his main source of moaning. Like apart from, apart from sort of like you know, genuine injustices within the world. One of the few things was the fucking BBC never show my shows. <laughs> the goodies. The goodies. Yeah. They fucking repeat the goodies and stuff like that. And uh, again. We are now getting to a point where it's like, okay, fair enough. There is stuff in these that you cannot show on television now. Full stop. You know, that is we're all agreed. It's not a, you know. Yeah. But we are talking a period of maybe 40 years where they weren't showing these things either. Yeah. You know, at a time <laughs> when they could have done the it. Like-
2: There's only a few episodes they don't they won't show again. And yeah. there's a few lines they need to cut out. Apart and from that, yeah. the majority of it is absolutely wonderful. Should be enjoyed by people nowadays. I, actually, nice. I am.
0: Um, I was listening to a, an interview um, recently. Uh, it was uh, Rose Matafeo. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and she was being interviewed. And she was. It was just one of those, what are you doing during lockdown things. Um, and she made a great point, I think, which was. She was saying she's watching an an actress's back catalogue, and some of them are hard to get because some of the material that's in there, yeah, is stuff that you, you know, now is a lot less socially acceptable. But what she said is, do you know what? We've come such a long way from what, you know, what comedy was in the 80s and 90s. She said, and it's brilliant that we've accepted that you can't do that anymore. She said, "But by pretending you've never done it, you're actually mm. taking the achievement away of what we've achieved. You know, you have to accept yeah. that there's there's things that people did back then and said that were considered funny. You can't write that off and pretend nobody ever liked it. And by doing so,
4: mm.
0: you're taking away how far we've actually come in such a short period. Yeah. And yeah, I, I can't remember. you mm-hmm. made it much far more more articulate than that." But effectively, that was what she said. And I totally agree. I don't, I don't think we should lose whole films because they've got a couple of lines in them that you now say, well, we wouldn't say that now, but so let's scrap the entire movie. I think that's a ridiculous I,
3: I'll tell you what, and I think it genuinely, it's genuinely well done, and it sounds like it shouldn't, but it is. We've got a box set of um, a Warner Brothers cartoons. Now, immediately, old Warner Brothers cartoons, you're thinking, right, we can show, you know, we can just show those, there's not a problem or anything else like that. But then there's certain things where you th- and it's like, what was it? It was, the, I think it was the, the, whichever one it's got, Speedy Gonzales, uh, Pepe Le Pew, basically anyone with like a racial stereotype mm. or something yeah. like that, or a, a, you know. And just at the start of it, all that happens is there's like a two minute intro with Whoopi Goldberg saying, right, be aware that in this, there's attitudes or whatever like that that we don't agree with as a society anymore. But we're showing you this because you can handle it. It's not, do you know what I mean? It's not, it didn't, it wasn't coming, it wasn't necessarily coming from a place of oppression. It wasn't necessarily, you know, but you, the people who made this still have a right to have their art seen. Yeah. You know, they have a, but, a right to. And, and
1: I suppose they're, they're saying clearly, we don't condone it. You know, it's, it's yeah. absolutely not what we agree with. Now, like, I think the they're fine way. to do that on. But you've got to give everything.
3: people the opportunity to see things rather than yeah, yeah,
0: losing
3: it them
2: away. Mm. When yeah. Disney, Plus, Disney Plus now run the Muppet Show, and there are warnings at the beginning of that. I think there's one episode which has been cut down because they can't show the Wizard of Oz music that was in it. Hmm. There's another episode which is utterly missing because that's Chris Langham's episode. Ah, okay. he was a guest. But apart from that, they put warnings on the beginnings of of stereotyping, but mm. they haven't removed it. But there's a lot yeah. of people in the Muppet community who complained about it. And I sat there and thought, don't complain, or yeah. they will never show them up. Yeah, they won't get it at all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think a bit of compromise goes it. a long way. That's what the next chapter button's for. If it comes on, you go, oh yeah, I think that accent's a little bit near the knuckle, just skip it. Mm-hmm. Don't get up, you know, well,
3: I, It's John It's John Walters, isn't it, when he said about, um, what was it? Um, I, and let's face it, if you've watched Hairspray and thought it's a great film, if you then rent fucking Pink Flamingos, you are in for a shock. But, <laughs> But he said someone phoned the police because they were watching. They'd watched pink flamingos, and it was like, and it's absolutely disgusting and filthy. And uh, what? what and it's you, like, you
1: did watch all the way through, yeah.
3: I, I don't think you need to. with <laughs> let's I don't think you need. What is it, as he says? If you get to the talking, ar- the singing arsehole, you're doing quite well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
3: but genuinely, like I said. What the fuck is that? Switch it off. Yeah. Switch it off. Don't watch it again. Why did you... What? Not just it's an overreaction, but also if that wasn't an overreaction, what the fuck was the... Do you know what I mean? Call the police. What
1: how A, do you think the police are going to do?
3: <laughs> yeah. A, what do you think the police are going to do? And also B, what made you feel you needed to call someone? You've seen this. It's not good. Turn it off. Yeah it has not suited you and as he said what was it he said i didn't i didn't call the police during the barn raising scene in witness and he said i found that offensive but what did i do i just skipped it <laughs>
2: i think one of the best handlings of this situation is probably the tom and jerry cartoons because of the offensive racial stereotype in the tom and jerry cartoons they just redubbed her with mm. a, another um black actress yeah and that's yeah. it it didn't hamper the production at all. And everybody
0: what? got to enjoy it still. I think, I this, think this, not- this is the thing. I think what you were saying, um, uh, Adam, yeah, is that it isn't, it, like, it's not meant to be derogatory. It's just now considered a bad stereotype. It's not Freddie Starr. Like, nobody's going out being purposefully offensive. It's just, you know, it's it's an accent that you can't now... Use, I think
3: it's. I think. for let's face it I think the way we've got to put because I think Kenny is trying to be offensive in certain respects but not in the ways that we are talking not in the ways that we yeah, are saying are problematic nothing. now right. but I would have to I would have to put him down as the review I once saw of Blood Duster the Australian grindcore band, <laughs> band well, where I guess, they um, would describe, over still, where they were described as good naturedly offensive <laughs> and I think that sums Kenny up yeah I think and really, at the end of the day, yes, I think, back to what we were saying, I think there's people need to be given the opportunity to see things. They also need to be given the warning of yeah. what is to come. And that yeah. simplifies it. I mean, OK, there's certain things we can agree on. I don't care if you want to see fucking every episode of Jim Will Fix It. He was a fucking nonce, and you're weird if you want to. So yeah. maybe you won't yeah. watch that anymore. Hey,
0: there's a the thought. Anyway, that. <laughs> that's right. So before we get off in any further tangents, um, yes. Yeah, so just to wrap up, but yeah. So as we as we've just said, just bear in mind, there's a few things that were fine to film in the 80s that we wouldn't do anymore. None of it is meant offensively. Um, it's all. It's yeah. It's all. It's all done in the best possible taste, as Freddie would so. um <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so go and check that out. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, no, we won't. That's a lie, because we're once a fortnight. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time uh, with our next film. Adam has asked, uh, I think uh, prompted by the fact this film has just had a remake, um, so we are going to be covering the original Candyman movie.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
3: Um, Most Mostly, yeah, they, they keep showing... That- they kept showing the trailer on fucking Instagram, and I've just got the fucking mm. soundtrack in my head because it's using the <laughs> old soundtrack. So, it's, so I need to exorcise this immediately. Now, <laughs> I,
1: I know one one fact about this: um, the the actor actually had tons of hold on, bees or wasps. Bees, bees, had loads. Got stung. got stung a lot, and they're in his mouth. And that's that's that is acting. If you're willing well, to no. take a swarm of bees,
3: not only is it acting, it's business
1: because yes, he well, yeah.
3: negotiated
1: a thousand dollars per sting. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. I remember that. We must have talked about this. Yeah, but I, mean, I still, so I, I know, like that fact because you probably wouldn't get that happening nowadays. <laughs> They'd be CGI and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've
1: dreamed it man
0: all over again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to fully appreciate the authenticity of this film.
0: Cool. So yes. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much, Wes, for joining us and uh, bringing comedy insight as always.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure we'll have something coming up again soon. And uh, anything again that, as soon as I watch it, immediately says this has just got Wes written all over it. We'll uh, we'll be back (laughs) on the phone again. Um, Thank you.
3: (laughs) No sneakily breaking into his house and writing your name all over his DVD (laughs) collection. Who's written Wes's
0: name in lipstick all over my TV screen again? Um, I'm going to
2: write it in the mirror in soap so that whenever you have a shower you're going to come out you're just going to see my name all ghostly in the mirror.
3: You'll have to find room between the cock and balls that I drew all
2: over him last time I was over. I think I did a bum print as well on there I think at one stage. Bum print. Uh, a couple of fallacies and one of those things where you
3: do your nose and your mouth and it will yeah. Like yeah
0: last time we had a party actually that uh the tap had gone wrong the day of the party so i stuck a post-it note over it that said out of order and i, I think it was my brother who'd written no you are underneath it when he'd used the bar <laughs> <laughs> like yeah because you come down and accuse <laughs> me of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yes. So, anyway, so we will see you all in a fortnight's time for the original Candyman. Thanks very much for listening. Good night.
3: Good night. Good
0: night.